Or maybe they come and want to spend time with me. Something good and needed. Now, I'm not sure if my answer in the past, my answers in the past to these good and needed uh, requests have, have come with hesitation. I don't know if it's just human nature to ask small, hoping to succeed. But there are times when my boys come to me and ask me for something, and I, I just want to say to them, oh, I wish you would ask for something more. Ask big. Maybe they'll come and say, Dad, can we have some tortilla chips for dinner? And how I want to say to them, oh, my child, I want to give you sour cream and chicken enchiladas and homemade guacamole and refried beans and a churro for dessert. Ask big. There are times when I want to say to them, oh, my child, how much more? Daddy, can you come spend five minutes with us and and play outside a little bit? Oh, how much more I would want them to say, Dad, can you come spend an hour outside? Come spend the afternoon with me outside. How much more? We're starting a, a series today, still in the Gospel of Luke, a series on prayer. Before we begin, allow me to ask our Heavenly Father to, to, to open our ears to what He wants us to hear. Holy Spirit, we come to you this morning hungry for what you will give us through your word. We come recognizing that unless you speak, we won't hear, and we'll just go on with our day. I ask, Lord, that as we begin this series in prayer, you would guide and direct my thoughts, my words, towards what this body of believers needs to hear today. I ask that you would take your word and bless it mightily. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're in Luke chapter 11, beginning in verse 1. Once Jesus was in a certain place praying. Now as he finished, one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. Jesus said, this is how you should pray. Father, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. Give us each day the food we need and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation. This beginning section... Luke's account of the Lord's Prayer could be described as Jesus' instructions on what to pray for. And we could very easily spend weeks unpacking these first four verses. We could look at the fact that it was out of Jesus' time in prayer that the disciples came and said, teach us how to pray. We could look at the initial Godward focus of Jesus' prayer. God's name be honored. God's kingdom come. We could look at the communal focus of this prayer. God, give us our food. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Don't let us yield to temptation. We could very easily spend weeks unpacking Jesus' teaching on what to pray for. His glory, daily provision, forgiveness, 
protection from temptation. We're not going to unpack all that today. But on, on a personal note, when I read this first section of prayer, there, there's a big ah oh, in my heart. I'm a person who loves structure. I love routine. And it, and it very much seems like Jesus is saying, here's a prayer that you guys can pray over and over and over again. And it would be good. There's a part of me in my heart that would be very content just praying these first six-ish lines of this chapter. But I find myself wondering if that's all I prayed, would God say to me, James, how much more? Verse 5. Then, teaching them more about prayer, Jesus used this story. Suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight wanting to borrow three loaves of bread. And you say to him, a friend of mine has just arrived for a visit and I have nothing for him to eat. I suppose he calls out from his bedroom, don't bother me. The door is locked for the night and my family and I are all in bed. I can't help you. But I tell you this, Jesus continues, though he won't do it for friendship's sake. If you keep knocking long enough, he will get up and give you whatever you need because of your shameless persistence. This section, so often seen as a, as a call to persistent prayer. This is a story rich with humor, irony, and a phenomenal message about prayer. And we could spend an entire Sunday morning unpacking the cultural practices of hospitality and the desire not to be shamed in one's community, to have one's reputation damaged. That's that's an often overlooked portion of this section. I I love that idea of avoiding public shame. The the footnote for my Bible has for verse 8, it says the friend's not going to get out of bed because he's your friend, but because he doesn't want his reputation damaged. See, the houses in that area were very close together very close together. So if there was a second knock on the door and a second request, you got to imagine that the neighbor next door would hear it. And probably the neighbor next to him and probably the neighbor next to him and the neighbor next to him. And they're probably all thinking to themselves, come on, man, just give him some bread so the community can go back to sleep. We could look at that in this section. Now we could also look at why getting up in the middle of the night would have woken the entire family and probably all the livestock that were also sharing the inside of the house. We could discuss what appears to be an initial rejection of a request, only then for it to be turned around and answered. We could realistically look at this section of prayer and and deem it a technology of prayer. Pray like this, in this manner, on this timetable, using these steps. This section could be seen as a shift in Jesus' teaching on prayer from what to pray for to how to pray. Pray persistently. Pray shamelessly. Pray boldly. We could look at all those. We're not gonna. But on on a personal note, this section too could be easy for me to grab a hold of. Because I like being persistent. 
and I could grab a hold of something good and, and go to God to prayer with it over and over and over and over again, and, and maybe it's a good thing. Or maybe it just becomes mindless rep- repetition that I don't really expect God to answer. Even if there is a goodness and a rightness in my constant repeating and my constant persistence in a prayer, I wonder if that's all I ever prayed, if God would look at me and say, James, how much more? Let's keep going. Verse 9. Jesus says, and so I tell you, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. Everyone who seeks finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. This is the Magna Carta of the Bible's teaching on prayer. Ask. Seek. Knock. I mean, how many series on prayer have you heard that began with this Section. What a beautiful passage. What beautiful instructions Jesus would give us. There is such great hope in these two verses. Such great promise. Such great permission in these two verses. Now, so many people have taken these two verses as, as kind of a blank check to pray for whatever they want. If that were the case, what would we pray for? And would our prayers, though seemingly right, and good, and noble, and honorable, would they leave God saying, oh, First Church, how much more? We're going to spend some time next week in these two verses, so I won't go into any more depth on them. Verse 11. You fathers, Jesus says, if your children ask for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? Or if they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Of course not. I love it because Jesus, you know, with these these kind of maybe confusing teachings on prayer, all of a sudden gets really practical. These are things that the people listening would have, they would have caught on to. And when we read these verses, our answer is, of course, well, duh. That's not going to happen. A snake for a fish? A scorpion instead of an egg? When my child asks for a few tortilla chips, am I going to give him paint chips? Somebody say, duh, no. Kind of what Jesus is getting at here. Okay? This morning, we are beginning a series on a prayer. And I've got, to, I've got to wonder if I personally have been praying wrong. Maybe wrong is too strong a language. Could I be praying better? Could my prayers start better? Could they end better? What's the base of my prayers? What's the foundation of my prayers? In wrestling with these first 12 verses, trying to figure out what foundation to base this little mini-series on, I found myself wondering if if I start in any of these places that we've looked at, breezed by so far this morning, will I leave God saying, how much more? The Lord's Prayer could be a fantastic foundation for a series on prayer. Amen? Yeah. Persistence in prayer could be a fantastic base for a series on prayer. Yes? Ask, seek, knock could also be a fantastic 
foundation for a, for a series on prayer. But I'm not landing on any of those. Why? Because I read what Jesus finished with when his disciples came to him and said, teach us to pray. Verse 13. Jesus said, so if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? How much more? This gift of the Holy Spirit. Not just for our comfort. Not just for our guidance. Not just for the assurance of our, of our salvation. But as the foundation to every prayer that we pray. The foundation to Jesus' lesson on prayer. Our foundation for prayer, first and foremost, must be about asking for the presence of the Holy Spirit in our prayers. Or bare minimum, recognizing that the, the, the Spirit is already present while we are praying. Won't He direct our prayers where they ought to be? Won't He tell us what we ought to be seeking for, knocking for, searching for? How much more does God want to give the Holy Spirit to those who ask for it? You know, I mentioned that in the first 12 verses, especially verses 9 and 12, it seemed like a license to pray for whatever. I think verse 13 clarifies that. Ask for the Holy Spirit to direct your prayers, and you will receive that. Keep seeking the Holy Spirit as you pray, and you will find He is there. Knock on that door, and when it's opened, you will see the Holy Spirit waiting on the other side. I believe that our first step, our foundation in each of our prayers needs to be a request for the Holy Spirit's presence, the, the Holy Spirit's guidance. This takes us and our agenda out of our prayer and focuses it back on God where our prayers need to be focused anyways. You know, I think Jesus and the Apostle Paul lined up in this idea. Because when Paul wrote the church in Ephesus, he says, pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. When Paul wrote the church in Rome, a church he never, he hadn't visited yet. He said, and the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, when we don't know what God wants us to pray for. But the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying. For the Spirit pleads for God's holy people in harmony with God's own will. It's Luke chapter 11 that the disciples say, Lord, teach us to pray. In Luke chapter 24, Jesus says, the Spirit's coming. And I will send the Holy Spirit just as my Father has promised. But stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power. Jesus said in John's Gospel, John 15, but I will send you the Advocate, the Comforter, the Encourager, the Counselor, the Paraclete, the Spirit of Truth. He will come to you from the Father and will testify about me. We live in a day and age where that promise has been fulfilled. 
The Spirit has been sent. Now as a foundation for a series on prayer, I'm saying we should begin each and every one of our prayers. Try it this week. Begin our prayers with, Holy Spirit, direct us. And see what happens. Maybe then, Holy Spirit will pray with us, through us, for us, in us. You know, there are times my kids come asking something from me. And I want to say to them, how much more? When we come to God in prayer, does he say how much more? Because Jesus said, how much more does your heavenly father want to give the gift of the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? It's where our prayers ought to begin where my prayers ought to begin. Is that where you want yours to begin? Let's pray. Spirit of the living God, who lives in us, I ask that you even direct this prayer this morning. God, I don't want to leave you asking how much more. Personally, I don't want that to be the case. I don't want us as a church to leave you saying, how much more do I want to give you the Holy Spirit to guide you in your prayers? So God, direct us. Spirit, move us. Bring life to our prayers because it's a life from the Holy Spirit. I thank you that you want to give us the Spirit. As long as we ask, you have promised you would. We recognize, Lord, that as believers in Christ, your spirit lives in us. And maybe it's just a matter of us recognizing that presence. Help us to be aware. God, if we haven't truly tasted the Holy Spirit, fill us. We began this morning asking that. Fill us so that we don't leave the same. We recognize that your filling will be from the Holy Spirit. Weigh heavy on us this week, Lord, the Spirit's role in our prayers. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.